Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Actual Fluency Podcast. This is the language learning podcast for anyone looking to learn one or more foreign languages. And today we're rejoined by one of the original guests of the podcast, uh, Luca Lamparello. Luca came on in uh, the first year of the podcast, which is, uh, by the way, nine years ago, which is kind of scary, but nonetheless, and he's one of the most beloved and well-known uh, characters people in the language learning kind of circles and community so uh, i'm really excited to bring luca back here what he's been working on and i know he's been working on languages for one thing i think luca is one of the most prodigious polyglots that i know having uh, you know a really high level in probably 10 or more languages i mean i, I don't i should ask him the next time i see him but um you know that he really has a high level and a high function in pretty much all of his languages from Russian to Swedish to even Hungarian. And I've seen him kind of in action, how he learns languages. And he spends a lot of time doing various uh, methods, which we discussed, of course, in the first original podcast episode. So go back and, and check that out if you want to hear that. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a catch up episode, a catch up episode. And we talk a little bit about uh, kind of developing a mindset for language learning, taking on that and an identity in different languages, uh, the mindset and, and what it takes to learn a language. So a little bit of everything today. I hope you enjoy this episode with Luca and uh, I will see you in a future episode. And don't forget to check out Bite Size Languages, which is my series of listening practice courses for beginners available for Spanish, German, Italian, French, Russian and Danish, which I recorded myself with my sister. Um, you can go find those out on bitesizelanguages.com or on actualfluency.com. Just check out the top bar. And uh, these are really good for improving your pronunciation and your listening skills and your vocabulary in kind of a natural setting uh, with obviously recorded by native speakers. And there's a hundred dialogues for you to uh, kind of dig into and and learn. So check out Bite-Sized Languages if you haven't already, and let's dive into the episode. All right, Luca, welcome back to the Actual Fluency Podcast. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Can you believe it, Luca? It's been almost nine years since you won last. <laughs> oh, my. Really? I, I just, I, I don't even remember. I thought it was like four or five years ago. The truth is time flies. Nine years. Nine years. Yeah, it was. Oh, the episode was posted originally on October 3rd, 2014. Wow. So it's it's been a while so we're today we're going to be catching up with you and hearing what you've been up to in the past almost <laughs> decade you know yeah. um and uh, and and hearing how how language learning has changed but um maybe uh, for those who don't know you or didn't see some of your videos back then in the uh, in the early days of kind of the polyglot movement do you want to give people just a quick introduction to who you are where you're from and and sure. what your experience was with language learning before then Sure. So I'm Luca Lampariello. I'm Italian from Rome, and I have loved languages as as far as I can remember <laughs> since I was a little kid. And I've been learning uh, quite a few of them. And um, I worked as a coach. Actually, originally, um, I have a degree in engineering. So I was supposed to be an engineer, but it didn't happen. And then I became a language coach instead. And I started coaching people. That was 11 years ago. I think I started 11 years ago. And then uh, slowly but steadily, I, I created a company 
where I basically uh, teach people a school more than a company. Yes, there's a company behind, but it's a, it's called Smart Language Learning Academy, where the core idea is to help people learn languages uh, better and efficiently. Because I believe that there's a, a wealth of information, but a dearth of know-how on actually how to do things. So uh, I'm very big on education and the power of education. I'm very passionate about that. And this is what I've been working on uh, over the last two two years, more or less. Uh, this is a little bit succinct and concise, but there's more to it than meets the eye. But in a nutshell, that's that's it. No, that's great. And and I would just recommend for people who uh, hadn't listened to that original episode, go back. Uh, I think we go a little bit into depth about kind of your past and then and what got you into languages originally. And back then, I think we were talking about. Uh, how you kind of had 10 solid languages. Um, and I always, I always say this uh, to people when, when they ask me about kind of like who I look up to in the community and, and you're one of the, the biggest names because not only do you have a lot of languages, which, you know, we see from time to time in the community, right? But the level that you reach in your languages, I've seen firsthand is just like, I don't know anyone who comes close. So that secret is something we talked a little bit about nine years ago. And I, I just read the, the kind of the show notes, but has any of that methodology or uh, approach changed in, in, since then? Have you evolved your method or are you following a similar kind of structure as, as back then? Well, first of all, thank you for, very, for the very kind words. <laughs> Uh, secondly, I would say that the core ideas or the core structure or the infrastructure of my learning hasn't changed, but I've learned a lot of things. I think that coming into contact with a lot of polyglots, language learners, and most of all students um, has allowed me to understand, let's say, the hurdles, the problems, the psychology that uh, you know is, is an integral part of language learning. So I would say that... Um, Yes, I have slightly like changed the way I learn my languages, mm. but if I understand the process, uh, the nitty gritty details, and you know the overall process of language acquisition, I understand it much, much, much better now than ten years ago. I have, you know, what one of the things, one of the gifts that making YouTube videos has given me, I think, is again it allowed me to come into talk, contact with wonderful people like Richard Simcott, with you. Um, you know, and countless other very interesting people have a different, um, you know, approach to language learning. And I think it's very enriching because mm, remember back in the day when I was 20, I was not even using the internet. You think you're in your own world and you think, oh, what I'm doing is great. Uh, it's the way of learning languages. And then you realize that there's many efficient ways of learning and acquiring a language efficiently. And then getting to know the perspective of other, of other successful language learners enriches your your vision and allows you to improve your your overall approach uh, whether it's teaching coaching or learning languages for that matter mm. yeah let's let's uh, dive into that for sure and i i just uh i also just checked your your youtube channel uh, just to get the reference it, your first video was uploaded 14 years ago on this account so <laughs> yeah, it's, yes it's been a while but you're um, doing your research <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um, but you were you were the, right there at the first polygot uh, conference which kind of in many ways started this 
community as we know it today of of many hundreds, maybe even thousands of language learners that not only like to learn a lot of languages, of course, but also meet up and and go to create content and and go to conferences all around the world. I mean, you see, it's crazy. I it became almost like this. I don't know. It's like we were all secret spies or something. You know, we met in New York <laughs> City, having uh, you know some of the best food in in Chelsea in in Manhattan, and then two months later we were meeting up in in Berlin. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like yeah. some kind of spy organization. You know, remember Berlin? You know, and uh, so that was that was a good time, and and I think that it helped really to mainstream it a lot. That it gave this push that you know language learning is not impossible for adults it's not this insurmountable challenge that i think a lot of people still have this notion of they have this idea that oh if you if you're not born into a multilingual environment or if you don't start learning it when you're a kid it's impossible um and that's really nice to see well, first, a couple of observations here, uh, Chris. First of all, uh, yes, I was one of the founders, one of the two founders, but the credit, most of the credit goes to Richard Simcott because I, I still remember as clear as day, back in 2012, uh, we were sitting in Poznan, you know, we were in, in Poland, and I had this idea, and I said, hey, why don't we do some a polyglot gathering or a polyglot uh, conference? And he immediately liked the idea, and he just immediately, like, it didn't waste a second started working on it and then we met that was the first one 2013 in budapest and then you know uh, he's a great organizer he continued this and i would i also participated but i have to say that uh, i i created the idea i had the idea but the an idea having an idea is nothing if you don't execute it right, right. You put it into practice and i think richard has continued with this as create like he i think he participates in every single public gathering and or conference so um i i just wanted to uh, thank you again richard because you know you know richard most of, of the people who are in this uh language learning uh, world know richard and yeah. uh he's not just an, an outstanding polyglot but he's a great uh, conference organizer and many other things anyway regardless of that uh, the polyglot gathering is the polyglot gathering and the polyglot conference and these polyglot uh, events around the world have created it's true they have created some sort of movement but i think that at the end of the day um you know with youtube and twitch and all these platforms in general through the internet people anybody uh, from all all walks of life at any age they can just go and um, say turn on youtube and see uh, Richard Simcott, or uh, you, they can watch uh, a video by Richard Simcott, listen to a podcast of yours. It, like They have contact with people who have uh, dozens of years of experience in language learning, and the world has changed. Before, we just had one system that was school, right? We, yeah. we, 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 we got used to thinking that the way we learn at school is the way to go, and that's, that's the reason why we replicate a lot of times when we start, when we first venture into the experience and the adventure of learning languages ourselves. We just replicate the, those methodologies and strategies. And then we realize much to our dismay that they don't work. Right. But the amazing thing is that the amazing thing about education, the, the reason why I'm so proud of the work I do, I'm so glad and lucky that I'm doing this is because people do not realize the potential that we have as human beings to learn anything. And language learning is just one of the many skills and many things we can actually learn. The problem is 
that the entire system, the entire education system, I'm not just referring to language learning, is based upon knowledge instead of skill building. And um, once you realize that, and once you realize there's a wealth of information out there on the internet on understanding, learning how to learn, not, again, not only just language, but languages, but anything, mm. then you realize that you can do so much, so much more than what you're actually doing. This is my mission. This is my passion. This is what drives me, compels me, uh, makes me tick, so to speak. It's just waking up and saying, how can I... Uh, not only inspire, but help people understand their potential when it comes to learning a language. They can learn one language, two language, two languages, three languages. When people tell me, oh, you speak 15 languages, you must be very talented, right? This is a very common line. Or, oh, that guy must be a genius. He speaks seven or eight. This sounds yeah. like magic for monolingual people. The reality is that these people know how to use their brain and how to learn languages, the, what I call the brain-friendly way or the smart way. But there's nothing particularly strange about me. When people meet me, they, they go like, okay, you're a normal person. I go, yes, I am a normal person. <laughs> and I don't even spend all my time hitting the books. Like, you can't imagine a polyglot so passionate about language learning, uh, just spending the whole time... Uh, you know, reading or listening. Sure. I just live my life through languages and have to sign a way, that, which is unique to me, but also flexible and relies on solid learning principles that allows me to learn languages and maintain some more. And again, the, the thing I'm really truly passionate about is just to show you, and this is, this is the project I'm working on right now, the, the, this academy that I've built, is to show, to show people the potential uh, of what they can actually achieve if they work on three pillars, their mindset. So their limiting beliefs about themselves and how they can learn their skill set, how to learn the strategies, the methodologies and their self-management, understanding how to manage time and how mm -hmm. to manage uh, their, themselves. And especially the first two. So the, 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 the one in the middle, the skill set methodologies is what is normally implemented at school very uh, to, you know, not, not very well, not very efficiently. And the other two are completely ne neglected. Psychology, so the psychological aspect of learning languages and the self-management. I, I don't know, maybe Chris in Denmark, which is a very advanced country, they talk about the psychology of learning, but no, uh, no, not, no. Not, not in Italy. No, no, I've never heard Russia. of a country, uh, a school system anywhere that is, uh, is working on anything but a kind of standard you know, curriculum-based uh, rote learning approach. Uh, yeah, because this is not this is not something that that is addressed because of the way the system works, the education system, which is kind of inefficient all around the world, with a few 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 exceptions, like Finland, for example. But the 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 truth is, Chris, that you know, language learning is not as 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 difficult as people picture it to be. Uh, but there are some things that keep us keep adults in general from learning efficiently and. Again, they have to do with these three main areas. Yeah, uh, you know. But let's. Uh, I mean, I, I obviously don't want to uh, <clears throat> spoil the uh, the entire uh, you know secret uh, or the entire kind of contents <laughs> of your of your program. But can you give us a little idea of maybe some of the typical uh, challenges or hurdles that students come to you with, and then over time they they improve or or what kind of methodology? really appeals in because you've worked with a lot of people over the last 10 years i know yes. in one way or the other and you've probably had contact with thousands more in the like the gatherings and 
you know you've seen it you've you've been in 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 there you've been in the thick of it as they say uh so what has been your perception about what's the kind of big aha moments for because obviously you know how you learn um you know maybe you've developed a method through some random chance that worked out really well for you at a at an early age and you kind of kept doing that so have you seen any difference between that and and the kind of students you come in contact with and and what do you usually you work on how much time do we have chris (laughs) (laughs) you have two minutes and i'll time (laughs) oh boy all right so i'll I'll try to be brief so let me give an example all the courses of the academy are structured around around these lines we have just to give an example we have one course for beginners and one course for intermediate learners both are structured in a very similar way in the sense that uh, we teach uh, first of all the, the first chapters are all about mindset then the other then the the second part let's say the other the second milestone is about skill set and the third one is about time management now um, just to give you a, a few examples of how I work with students and what the you know the common hurdles are for each area the biggest hurdle is actually um, these limiting beliefs that people have about themselves and about uh, learning. We all have, right, Chris? Like uh, yeah. we, we have limiting beliefs we, about um, about how we think the the world the the world works, right? So um, I think Mark Twain used to say, "It ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble," right? Something like something like that. What gets us in trouble <laughs> is not what we don't know; it's what we know for sure that just ain't so, right? So um, this means that we take some things for granted and we say, oh, this this is the the, the way languages are learned. So let me give you an example of that. Just for example, um, typically when people start learning a a foreign language, they don't have experience with that. They believe all these things that they got from hearsay, right? They hear around like language learning is difficult. I am too old. My memory is bad. I cannot remember vocabulary. Um, you know, you have to move uh, and live in country. You have to have a great mm, teacher, yeah. uh, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff is very common and it's more common than you believe. And um, the, the first thing is actually to help them with questions and with some exercises. And also um, by talking to other learners, by writing their ideas, we have a community. Of course, it's not just a course. It's the community that makes a difference where people write their experiences. And it's amazing to see how learners help each other. It's not just me talking about these things in the course, but it's just, it's the, the amazing thing is when they see peers, like people in their, in the same position as them come to certain realizations that really helps them. Like, okay, um, I think I'm not good at language learning. This is a very typical thing. But then they realize that actually through, again, through uh, exercises, through uh, asking me, asking my team, asking other learners, they'll realize that all these limiting beliefs have to do with the way they were taught to learn or to mm-hmm. unlearn at school and have nothing to do with them as a person. This already like, is, a big, is a big thing. Uh, but this this is very general, Chris, but this involves, this, this concerns everything. Like just to give you another example, speaking. People are terrified of speaking a foreign language, generally. Yeah, um, me too. Me too, totally. Right? So, uh, me too. So, by the way, it looks, it sounds strange, but that's true. Every time I start learning a foreign language, I'm terrified of, oh gosh, now I have to speak it. 
I don't know if I'm yeah. somewhere. Order then, coffee or something. Exactly. Order coffee. It seems like, okay, it's a no brainer. Then I order coffee. It's terrible. And it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Yeah. It's, ter- it's, ter- it's terrifying. Yes. The, and, the, and the reason why this happens is because of the psycholo- it's, it's a psychological thing. Um, I believe that the, the, the fluency is a degree of confidence that you have using the language in a meaningful way. And that comes from mm. experiences, right? So um, the reason That's why we're terrified, the, the, the reason why we're terrified when it comes to ordering coffee or to uh, buy a ticket is because we've never done it in our life in that language the first time. Then <laughs> we, you know, when we do it, well, then, then we do it and then becomes easier. Said, so, okay, well, that went well. You know, the sense of satisfaction, pat yourself on the back to say, oh, I managed to do that. I managed to order yeah. something. So, so what I'm saying is that all these ideas, false, false beliefs or limiting beliefs uh, and, um, and psychological problems that people have when it comes to all moving, all the moving parts of what I call learning a language, they have to do with their perception of reality, not of reality itself. They, yeah. you know, after five years of learning or failing at learning a, a second language at school or college or whatever it is, then we uh, come to the conclusion that the reason why we're not able to speak a language is because of us, but it has nothing to do with our brain or our capacity to learn. Everybody yeah. is able to learn a second language. The problem, Chris, is that for those uh, of, of you guys who are li- guys and girls who are listening to us, the problem is that there's a scientific reason why this is difficult to believe, even if you might be thinking, oh, maybe, oh, this guy seems like he, he knows what he's talking about, but I still don't believe it. The reason why is because we as adults think with our uh, prefrontal cortex, right? The rational part of our, of our brain. So uh, we, someone says like, oh, le- learning a language is not difficult or learning grammar is not complicated or this and that. But then the emotional part of our brain that, that doesn't believe it. And the problem is the rational part believes the 100% what the emotional part of our brain believes right. in. And the emotional part was actually influenced in our childhood at school. So there's some sort of cognitive dissonance between these two parts where in order to believe that, in order to realize that actually speaking a foreign language, learning grammar, learning vocabulary, and everything else involved in language learning is actually easier uh, than you think is by doing that, by living it. Right. Once you live it, you will understand, oh, actually it was right. Actually speaking was not that difficult. Actually learning grammar the way he suggested, not the traditional way, was easier. Uh, just you to give to you... prove to your brain, basically, that you can achieve what you've been saying that you can achieve. You know, you need to see some some proof. You can't just... how No matter how many times we make a podcast about uh, kind of the... I wouldn't call it the easy way of learning language, but let's say making it easier. Uh, you know, you you don't believe the words until you've actually seen it in in effect. Yes, that's exactly right. And you have to fit, you have to get out of your comfort zone in order to grow. So, if someone says, for example, speaking uh, is, if you believe that speaking is terrifying, and someone says, no, it's actually uh, easier said than done. You just have to do it. Then. You know, you might procrastinate a little bit and you don't believe the words of the expert, uh, of the expert or language or, or the poly, whatever. But then when you yeah. do it, your brain, your emotional part of the brain is going to take over. You're going to say, it's going to talk to the rational part of your brain and it's going to say, oh, actually it is like that. I've lived it. I experienced it. I breathed it. And, and again, yeah, the, it's so exciting. 
it's exciting, but it, it, that's the reason why the what we're building is you know relies on and relies on on these pillars: mindset, skill set, and time management. Skill set is about the techniques and strategies. That's fine. We can teach efficient ways of using podcasts, videos, courses for beginners. But that's just one part, you know. So yeah. again, the hurdles when it comes to mindset are like. Um, overcoming the limiting beliefs by living these situations by trial and error. The skill set is about learning new brain-friendly ways of uh, learning, uh, you know, languages. Again, the traditional way of going about grammar, vocabulary, and treating every single part of language learning as, again, as, as a single part, not separated from the others, doesn't work. And we teach them how to learn holistically because mm. we have unlearned to do that. Come to think of it, Chris, we have learned our native, like your, your Danish and my Italian. We never thought of grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation. No. We just, you know, expose ourselves to the language. Uh, we were exposed to the language. We use the language. We learn it. That's how you can learn a second language with a few tweaks, of course. And then, <laughs> and then time management, the hurdles is people do not follow through. They don't know how to create solid language learning habits. So uh, sustainable language learning habits, it's all about... How do you manage yourself? So we ask yeah. them again, we we make them think, we make them rethink and reframe the way they go about, um, you know, their beliefs, their strategy, the learning strategies, strictly speaking, and the way they organize their life and organize their time and energy to learn in the long run. Do you know, do you know why I know that the kind of mindset and the mental part and the managing yourself is like... 80 or maybe 95% of the learning process. Shoot. I'm all ears. Uh, it's because if it if it was all down to tactics, we'd all be we'd all be slim, uh rich and speaking 15 30 languages, you know, because the methods are out there, you know, you can google, you can go on YouTube and you can see people like you, people like uh Steve, like like um Richard, like Tim. They've all kind of shared everything right isn't there's no secret they laid out the method step by step so we all have the information to a certain degree we just don't we just can't apply it because of mental hurdles right that's basically the because you know it's all out there right it's it's we we could it's the same with fitness and exercise right the whole world is getting you know fatter and fatter but the information that we have about nutrition and and, and dietary science and and things like that are getting more and more in advance. We know more and more what, like we shouldn't, we probably shouldn't have like three servings of, uh, of pasta a day, you know, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm speaking to an Italian here, so I need to be careful, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Uh, yes, we, we would all be millionaires with a six pack, as someone said. So If information uh, was enough, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I guess uh, one of the things that I kind of wanted to highlight as well is that, first of all, a comment on the, the speaking part, you know, it's, that's some of the most exciting things that's happened to me. And and when you said confidence, I was like, man, that's that's exactly the word that I that you need because when I think about my German, for instance, my German is my German is pretty bad. Like it's not great, but it's very fluent. Not by the definition of like mastery. But when I go to Germany, I just kind of use it, I just kind of speak it, make loads of mistakes, but everyone understands what I'm saying. I understand everything they're saying. So I guess it's actually okay level, but my point is that I don't hesitate to use it because I I feel like it's at a I'm I'm confident about it. That's what I was gonna say. Whereas when I go to a new language like 
right now Portuguese is kind of my main focus. I'm I have that terrified feeling, but yet um, recently I had a, a conversation with a, an elderly lady of my building, and I don't know if it was because I knew that there was no chance she would understand any English, and I needed to communicate something. I had locked myself out of the apartment, so I needed her to buzz me in, you know. <laughs> um, and and that just fl- that flowed so well, even though I'm sure I made like 900 mistakes in in two sentences. And again, it was it was some kind of confidence that. Yeah, well, you just got to do what you can do, right? So it's taking your own, it's almost removing the ego of, of who you think you are, who you think you should be, and just accepting that at that time, at that moment, this is what your your language skills are like, and you should just use them to that ability as much as you can. There's so so much to unpack there, Chris. <laughs> so yes, I I, uh, I think I, I heard, or no, I read, uh, this on one of your emails uh, about the lady, you know, communicating with the lady and talking yeah, to so the lady funny. in Portuguese. So embarrassing, but no, I, I think it's it's an excellent actually it's an excellent example of of the fact that you know we we tend to think about you know how to speak and to get grammar perfectly and we have this perfectionism syndrome etc. But the reality is the language learning and again we have unlearned how to do that at school is a matter of communicating and get delivering your message get your point across now when you focus more on content than on form then and you don't care if you make mistakes because again be it you're telling a story or you need something like out of necessity as in your case with the with the keys then you focus on content you forget about the form well instead if you're in class or like you're talking to your teacher and you know that you have have this again the mental the the emotional part of your brain the primitive part of reptilian brain that reminds you oh you have to perform you have to remember words etc etc you have to be perfect then you forget about content and you focus on form and i'll tell you one more thing that happened recently now this video hasn't been published yet but i i recounted the story to my students recently in our multi-zoom meetings is that i have um, a hungarian teacher and I, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Cici. Cici basically is a Hungarian creator. She, she has a YouTube channel. And I made a recorded an interview, uh, I think in December with her. And I knew that this would be posted on, on YouTube. And I was sweating. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh, 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 my. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I, I was just totally focusing on form instead of content. So, you know, I was thinking of the right word to say, to conjugate, to conjugate the right verb, et cetera, et cetera. And it didn't really uh, go uh, very well within, and, and, and two months prior, so same knowledge, same, more or less, the same knowledge, because in two months you are not going to move from A up to B2 to C1. Two months prior, I met my uh, Hungarian teacher in uh, Budapest. And we spoke for two hours in Hungarian and I had no problem whatsoever. Sure. Maybe sometimes I express myself Tarzan like, but I was totally focusing on, on content, on, on, on communicating because it was like an, an, a natural environment where the, the purpose of the meeting was just to talk, to talk about everything and everything all at mm-hmm. once. So and then, then there I realized looking back, I realized this is like, you know, if, it doesn't matter how many words you know and how many phrases you 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 know or pronunciation or grammar. What really matters is your state of mind and the confidence. Sometimes it, it you know you're confident, be it because well in, in general it's important to be confident. But again, 
out of necessity, or maybe you're telling an interesting story you, and you don't give, um, it's not important for you anymore what, how you're saying it, but rather what you're saying, then it makes the entire difference. And then you realize, oh, now I understand the state of mind and mindset and the impact that these two like general mindset has yeah. on you, on your on your overall um, communication and speaking skills and language skills in general. And I think this is a great thing to also be inspired by others to push yourself a little more. Uh, we had uh, the old uh, Moses McCormick, for instance. Uh, you know, uh, miss him a lot too. Um, yes. He was making videos of using languages, and you know, he had a few strong languages that would repeat. But really, what I thought was amazing was when he would meet someone in a new language and he only knew, you know, a couple of sentences and he would actually just insist on, on using them and practicing them and leveling up as he called it. And I think that's really for someone like me, who's maybe a little bit shy. And when you're out there, you, you're trying to use the language, just see other people doing it. I think Shalma, you know, uh, Ari today is, is, is probably one of the most, prolific posters of that kind of content, you know, walking around New York and going to remote tribes in Africa and talking their, their language, you know, indigenous language. Um, so maybe that's a good area to get some of that inspiration and, and push ourselves and, and just the knowledge that it's okay to be, I, I wouldn't say like the idiot in the room, but accept that you can't be like as eloquent in your, in a language you only spend a couple of months learning that's your native language that you spent all year, uh, all your life uh, perfecting, you know. Uh, and and I, I felt that helped me a lot in the beginning. And it is tied to perfectionism, which, funnily enough, was the last podcast episode we recorded or we published here. Uh, so if people haven't seen that, it's uh, 187 with Heidi Lovejoy, um, which is uh, probably a huge part of, peop of, of people's lack of uh, using the language in public because they feel like I can't say anything until. I'm confident to a certain percentage because obviously you can never be confident, right? Even in your native language, you're probably not hundred percent sure sometimes. So it's funny that we have these arbitrary rules for ourselves that are like, I want to be perfect in a way, but also you can't be perfect because you don't know what perfect is. So it's kind of like <laughs> you're stopping yourself uh, on, on different points at the same time. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, a quote goes like, don't be afraid of perfection because you'll never reach it first. <laughs> and, and second, um, again, it all goes down. It all boils down to your, uh, to your mindset about these ideas. Again, you, you have to do, and another quote, you have to do something poorly before you do it well, Goethe used right. to say. So um, I, I think that in order to speak a language well, you have to mess up. And that's the necessary part of language learning. But a lot of people don't want to do it because back in the school years, you know, those memories of messing up and everybody looking at you, we got it, all yeah. the eyeballs on you and you think you're making a fool of yourself and everything. That is the, the irrational or emotional part of your brain that is talking to your rational part of your brain. When your rational part of your brain is saying, I, I, I should actually speak, you know, it's rational. I rationally, I'm going to make mistakes. But the rational part or the emotional part goes, no, don't make mistakes. Everybody's going to think you're you're an idiot. And then the rational part goes like, no, but I want to speak. So there's this cognitive dissonance, this fight. And 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 then the, the, the end result is that we tend to want to be perfect when first there's no such thing as being perfect. And second, we get into this, I call it the second language learning syndrome where 
when we speak a, our own native language, we don't care about mistakes, right? We don't, right. We don't, we don't think about that. But when we speak a second language, we do. Recently, there's a, a Francesca, who's a student of the community. She realized that she, she's, she, she's learning Chinese, and she had this big realization that she wanted to share with everybody. She went like, "When I speak Italian, I don't, I don't care about, you know, whether I make mistakes or not, or whether I." A come a stumble upon words that I don't know because there's hundreds of thousands of words when we don't know in our own language, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we go, I don't know, we meet a specialist, say medicine says something about certain things or whatever. But in a second language, we're so self-conscious about everything we don't know. Everything embarrasses us, whether it's a mistake we make, we conjugate the wrong verb, or we don't know a word. But this doesn't happen in our own native language. So it's, again, the, uh, the impact that these preconceived ideas or biases that we have towards ourselves and, and, and our learning impacts language learning hugely. And mm. it's not something that people t- talk enough. And, and, and I'm glad you, you, you quoted, you cited people on YouTube like Xiao Ma or other people go just like, you know, just, they hit the streets and they talk because they show you can actually, um, you know, talk even when you don't speak a language really well and people will, um, you know, will be inspired anyway. Native speakers will be appreciative of the fact that you're, even if you say a couple of words, they, yeah. that, that puts a big smile on people's uh, faces in general. And when you speak the language, it opens entire world. So it's always, it's always uh, really is worth learning a language. I remember when I was in, in, uh, in Poland, there's a couple of episodes uh, when I was, in, you know, I grabbed a cab, was on my way to the airport, and this guy, this taxi driver, was a little bit grumpy at the beginning. He was just, uh, he told me in Polish, hey, I was supposed to grab a coffee with my friend, and now you come here and I have to go to the airport. He was grumpy, right? But that's <laughs> that, that's fine. He said something at the beginning like that. I pretended I didn't understand because at the beginning I didn't say a word. He just said that, right, to me, thinking I didn't understand. Then I jumped on the on the taxi. And again, for the first couple of minutes, he was grumpy. He didn't say anything because I thought he thought I didn't speak, uh, I didn't speak Polish. Then I I started speaking Polish. He started telling the entire story of his life, family, showing stuff. And at the end, you just like patted me on the, uh, you know, he, he just said, Hey, you're a good boy. You're going to find a nice Polish girl. You're going to get married. (laughs) And it it changed the entire, um, you know, interaction between the two of us. So language learning is, is like, it's amazing what, what couple of, even a couple of words, can do and imagine if you can hold a com- an entire conversation just mind-blowing how it changed my life and that of many other people around the globe yeah it's really that the mandela quote over and over like i, I think i'll make a habit of just saying it every episode because it's so true this idea of if you speak to a man in a, in a language he understands it goes to his head but if you speak to a man in, lang- in his language it goes to his heart you know That's it's exactly right it's so true like and and this is also kind of I think if I had to name a mission with the with the actual fluency and everything that I do in terms of content creation, if I could get people to just start learning a little bit and believe that any learning is good, you know, because some people don't start because they feel like, oh, I'm never going to get perfect in the new language, so I'm not even going to learn a few phrases. But if you live in a community that has a different language, uh, or, you know, especially in the US, you know, you've got these very multicultural neighborhoods where you have maybe as many as hundreds of languages in in Mm -hmm. a square mile you know learning a couple of phrases in each one or like you know Moses McCormick or Shelma is doing um, it can really change 
somebody's life. I mean, you go into a shop and you speak their rare native language that no foreigner has spoken to them in forever, ever probably. Um, and you just see their face lights up, you know, and I see the same in, in everywhere I go, you know, if you speak the native language, then you just, people are just much happier, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like people are, are unfriendly when you speak English to them and they speak English to back to you, but you try the, the native language. It's just, it's night and day. It's so three, I, three words, Chris. It changes everything. <laughs> yeah, it changes everything. Yeah, that's the headline for like the, the language learning uh, philosophy and the, and the <laughs> yes. program. Um, but yeah, we're, we're kind of slowly running out of time here, unfortunately. I mean, we could talk for a lot longer. I, I hope we, we get an opportunity to uh, to talk more in, a, in, in before nine years uh, next time. <laughs> um, but one thing I just, uh, a final uh, question I wanted to ask you uh, that yeah. I was curious about. I'm finding personally, as I'm learning more foreign languages and especially introducing more sounds, uh, for instance, right now, the Portuguese with the, you know, the sh, sh at the end of everything, uh, or almost every word ending in SH, uh, an SH sound, I find that it creeps into my other languages and it kind of makes, you know, it kind of messes me up a little bit. Uh, but I've always noticed that no matter how many languages you've been working on, and, and, and you speak, you know, Slavic languages to a high level, you speak Hungarian, you speak uh, Swedish, uh, you know, you have a, a wide variety of sounds there. Um, so do you do anything kind of actively to maintain your your uh, pronunciation and, and to avoid some of those uh, new newer sounds maybe spilling over into uh, your other language. I, I feel even my English is affected sometimes by if I'm doing a lot of language learning in a week or in a month, I feel like my English gets a little bit weaker in, in terms of the pronunciation. Uh, this is a very interesting question, Chris. It's, it's very comp actually, it's very complex. It has a lot of moving parts to it because it's, again, it's psychology. It's also sound production, but I would say that in my own case, I can, I can, tell you that what really makes a difference is that when I speak uh, a given language, I build an identity in it. And if you build an identity in it, it doesn't really uh, like conflict with other identities that I've built or other facets of my personality, so to speak. So the again, when I learn languages, I make sure that I build an, an identity in that language. And once I get to a comfortable level, I feel that I don't have a problem uh, with, you know, mixing up languages or let's say the sounds, the sounds of one language uh, create problems with the sound production uh, in another language. So to me, it's, there's two important things. First is identity building, I call it within the language system. And the second thing is that I kind of design a way to make sure, design a, a lifestyle to make sure that I kind of get exposed or at least uh, practice a little bit most of the languages that I speak because in our brain we have two main mechanisms. We have storage and we have retrieval. Storage is basically store information in our neocortex, right? So we have that information there like long-term memory, etc., etc. But retrieval is the act of fetching these pieces of information and using them on the fly, right? This is when you mm -hmm. haven't used the language in a long time, then you get rusty. This is the, the typical expression that explains uh, this is like, oh, I got rusty. So um, let's say that you start mixing up languages or let's say some sounds start getting complicated in one or the other, or, you know, when 
you start using one language much more than the other when there's not a balance between uh, the various languages. And on top of that, it also depends on the individual and on a number of things that happen in in, uh, in their head, which I cannot explain because I'm not in their head. So right. it's, it's it's a very complex thing that could have a lot of uh, a lot of reasons. But my simple suggestion is when people mix up languages or they see that one language starts influencing the other, is to um, find a way to tell your brain that all both languages are important. If if you if if for whatever reason your brain starts thinking, oh, this language is less important, then it starts neglecting it. And uh, this impacts pronunciation, grammar, and fluency in general. It's like, imagine having a family. Every time you learn a new language, you have a newborn in the family, right? And that newborn needs a lot of attention. Yeah. The other, and the other brothers and sisters get a little bit um, jealous. So you need, it, it's, it's difficult to take care of everybody in the family. You have all these running children, right? <laughs> running around. <laughs> and um, it happens. But again, it depends on a number of... Um, on a number of factors. The reason why this doesn't happen to me or happens a little bit at the beginning is because I, again, I have designed my, my, let's say that my life, I live through languages. So on a daily basis, I use between four and a very, on a very unfortunate day, just four and in a very lucky day, 10 or 11. But in, on average, it's six, between six and eight languages that I either use or I listen to or, or I read in, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the reason why uh, my brain knows these languages are all kind of equally important and, and doesn't mix them. It's it's very complex to explain this and we don't have the time. But the bottom line is extra, like, you know, put in the, the time and, and, and speak or do something in the language and you're going to tell your subconscious part of your mind that language is important. Um, and uh, the pronunciation is going to improve subconsciously. So I don't do anything particularly like, you know, deliberately I sit down and I vocalize and I read out loud. None of that. Most of my learning, I would say 90% of my learning happens subconsciously. I put in the time, expose myself to the language. I use it in a meaningful way, be it listening, watching movies, talking with friends, living experiences. And the, the, the beautiful infrastructure that we have within our skull takes care of the rest. Right. And that is uh, also one of the, the secrets of, of language learning, right? You have to you have to spend time doing it. You can't just uh, do uh, 30 minutes a month and hope to be out there speaking like a, a native speaker. You know, That's exactly right. It takes a lot of energy. It takes time, but it takes, you know, you have to live through language. And obviously, the more languages you learn, the more difficult and challenging this becomes because we have only one body and we are in one location and we have a limited amount of friends and family members, etc. So it's difficult, but I think it's a nice problem to have, you know? <laughs> yeah, that. You know, you can kind of, let's say you're talking about maintaining multiple languages. I mean, that's a, a really high level problem that we can always uh, work on when that occurs. You know, I think the first hurdle for everyone is always that first language. Yes. Once they have that, they have such a huge momentum for any other project they want to take on uh, in the future. Indeed. Indeed. Chris. All right. Well, perfect. Luca, we are at the end uh, of our little reunion here. Uh, it's a, such a pleasure to have you on the show if people want to find out more about the smart method at the smart uh, program, uh, can you just let us know where they can check that out and also where they can find out more about you? Sure. Um, it's very simple. You can just type Luca Lampariello, L-U-C-A-L-A-M-P-A-R-I-E-L-L-O.com. 
And that's the where that's the main website where you can see where you can find everything. You can find links to the Smart Language Learning Academy. You can find the YouTube channel. You can find the blog. So it's all centralized there. And again, if you go on YouTube, you write Luca Lampariello, you you will find all my videos. And uh, so basically, it's my website and my YouTube channel. These are the main um, the main websites, the main you know channels through which I share my philosophy for smart language learning. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Luca. Thank you. It was a pleasure.